0: How many of you all grew up in a, in a denominational church, or maybe Baptist, or or maybe Catholic? So uh, many of you are familiar with the word Advent, even though Advent is not really uh, a, a scripture in the Bible. Advent simply means waiting. It means waiting and looking for. So I want to title this message this Christmas Eve day: Looking for Him. In the first advent, people longed for the Messiah to physically come to live among them. As Christ followers today, we're waiting for the King of Glory to come at the perfect moment in a perfect season. Perhaps you've heard of the the Christmas carol, and really it's not so much of a carol, but it's a cry of desperation. Written by a monk, incidentally, in the late 7th century or the early 8th century. Oh, come... O come, Emmanuel. It tells of the heart cry of what they were looking for in that day. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Then mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou rod of Jesse. These are Old Testament terms. Free thine own from Satan's tyranny from the depths of hell, thy people save, and give them victory <coughs> over the grave, and then refrain again. O oh, come thou spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here, disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death dark shadows put to flight, and then the refrain again, O oh, come thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high, and close the path to misery. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times did give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O King of nations, bind in one hearts of all mankind. Bid all our sad divisions cease, and be yourself our King of Peace. Written in the late 7th century, and here it is now, 2017, over 1,200 years later, and it has not lost any of its influence. It has not lost any of its grace or any of its anointing. This song, as I said before, is a cry for desperation. They were eagerly awaiting the coming of the Messiah. And on that night in Bethlehem, in the house of bread, Jesus, the Messiah, was born. Now before that time, there was absolutely great desperation. And we know that he's coming again. And yet there's kind of a comparison here. Because just as things were really, really tough in those days, how many of you know we're living in a time and an age where there's wars? There's rumors of wars. There's terrorist attacks. And by the way, a terrorist plot was thwarted on Pier, for period 39. Amen. Your prayers are working. Look at your neighbor and say, our prayers are working in this place. But it's true, all of creation is groaning for the coming of Christ. There is a longing in a heart for His return. And so we see then, that in many denominational churches, there was this learning about this waiting for, this looking to, this Advent. Four weeks before Christmas, for example, we would begin to read stories around the birth of Jesus Christ. What it would mean for Christ to come. But in modern days, and it was also a great teaching tool for kids. But in modern days, Advent has kind of been reduced to a 25-day calendar. Perhaps you've seen those. They have little doors there. And sometimes they have little pictures there. Sometimes they have chocolate on the inside. Or gingerbread. Whoopee ding. But come on now. Day after day, 25 days for a seven-year-old to wait is a long time. It's almost child abuse. I mean, that's eternity right there. I don't know about you, but I'm not the best waiter. Anybody ever had challenges waiting? Some of you are waiting for the sermon to be over. Just hold on. (laughs) <laughs> you know in some families you know they want to do things proper they get you know the kids have been waiting all month all week I mean they're just chomping at the bit to tear into those presents Christmas morning comes and said okay sit down kids we're going to read Luke chapter 2 do you know there's 51 verses <laughs> 52 verses. I mean, it's like the slowest, longest chapter ever for kids. You remember when you were a kid, right? I mean, you could hardly wait to open up those presents. Another thing about presents, kids don't know how much they cost. It's not really about price. It's about volume. And I think if kids are that way about Christmas, I think as adults waiting for Messiah to come, there's a comparison there. When will he come? When will he return? You know, if you you look at Malachi, which is the last chapter in the book of the Old Testament, and then you go to Matthew, there's a blank page between the two. Because... There was about 435 years between Malachi and Matthew. It was a very dark time. There was no move of God. There was no prophetic utterance. There was nothing happening. And so I wonder, what was it like in Nazareth in those days? The day before Jesus was born. What was it like in Bethlehem? What was it like In Palestine. Palestine. Well, Isaiah detailed it out very clearly. And in Isaiah the 60th chapter, and in the second verse, it says, Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory is going to be seen upon you. You ever heard of the evil ruler, Herod the Great? Oh, yeah. Herod the Great named himself that. It'd be like if I woke up today and said, Okay, my new name is Mark the Magnificent. <laughs> or P.T., Tom the Terrific. <laughs> or Frank the Fabulous. He was an egotistical yeah. maniac. Maniac. He was a madman. He killed his own family. He killed his sons. He killed his son-in-laws. He was messed up. Everyone said messed up. He ordered all of the boys to be killed when Jesus was born. Five days, listen to this, five days before Herod's death, he knew he was dying. He had innocent citizens imprisoned. Just took them off the street, put them in prison, and said, on the day that I die, I want you to execute every one of them because I want to make sure that there's grief in the streets when I die. Well, that was thwarted and backfired on him because on the day he died, they let all the prisoners go and they had a parade. (laughs) It was a dark time. And this was the setup for this cry, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Philip Yancey, the author, said this, the political climate at that time of Jesus' birth resembled that of Russia in the 1930s. You remember that, don't you? Under Stalin. Nobody raised their hand. citizens could not gather in public meetings spies were everywhere Yancey says this in Herod's mind the command to slaughter Bethlehem's infants was probably an act of utmost rationality to preserve the stability of his own kingdom against the rumored invasion of another so that's what was life was like there was strain there was pressure They were awaiting the coming one who would change it all. You know, another part of Advent sharing was what happened not only when he was born, what happened eight days after he was born. He was circumcised. They didn't name him until eight days after. They knew what his name was going to be. But then 40 days later... Jesus, as a baby, is six weeks old. And so Joseph and Mary, and they probably had a small entourage with them, took them to Jerusalem, to the temple, to fulfill the law. Which means that they need to present him to the Lord and and make an offering unto the Lord. So get the picture. He's walking into the temple for the very first time. And there is a man who is extremely devout that was a temple dweller who lived his life holy and consecrated unto the Lord. It was a man by the name of Simeon. And I want you to look with me at Luke now, the second chapter, verses 25 through 32. And I'm going to read from the NLT. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. And I want you to read with me. Ready, read. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Say it with me again the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Verse 26. And had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying... Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. I want you to see this word picture. He's a devout follower of Christ, of God. And he had a deposit in his heart from the Holy Spirit. And he carried this deposit for years and years. There is something, dear friends, about the eternal Word of God that once it gets into your heart, you can carry it for the rest of your life. Peter calls them exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in this world come on somebody even the ones that are yet to be fulfilled if you will keep this word in your heart The word of God will work in you and bring to pass the fulfillment of the promises of God. The reason why is because they are given by the great promise keeper. See, Simeon grew up understanding prophecies that had been given. I'm told that there are 365 direct prophecies In the Old Testament, about the coming of Messiah. How about that? One for every day. Let me just just read a few that Simeon, I'm sure, was aware of. 600 years before the birth of Christ, in Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah... Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and from everlasting. He knew about Isaiah seven fourteen. This was written over 700 years before his birth. Therefore, the Lord himself, he's going to give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name. Come on, someone. They shall call his name Emmanuel. God is with us. And then in Malachi chapter 3, and verse 1, 435 years before Jesus was dedicated, in Luke chapter 2, the scripture says, Lord, I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And all I can say is, wow. You know what wow is spelled backwards? It's like mom. You know what this tells us? It tells us that he keeps his promises. I heard this the other day, and it didn't blow my mind because I have the mind of Christ, but it just impressed me. The mathematical odds of those 365 prophecies concerning Jesus being fulfilled in 33 years are astronomical. One guy explained it like this. He said, take a gold BB... And put it in a box of silver BBs, three foot deep. Mix them all up and stick your hand in there and pull out the Jesus BB, the first shot. And they said, oh, by the way, the other detail is the box with the BBs is the size of the state of Texas. (laughs) And those are the odds of all of the prophecies made about Jesus being fulfilled in his life for 33 years, what a God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. What amazing, amazing, big, great God you and I serve. My goodness. Since that's true, we can bank on the prophecies of his second coming. Look at your neighbor and say, it will surely. It'll surely come to pass. Just, just think about it this way. If a guy predicts his death. Right? His burial. And his resurrection. And then pulls it off. I'm going with that guy. Amen. Amen. Since he said by his stripes I was healed, I'm going with that. Since he said he'd supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, I'm going with that. Since he said the joy of the Lord is my strength, I'm going with that. I'm going with the word. I'm banking on the word. I'm depositing it in my heart and I'm saying it with my mouth and he's going to watch over it to perform it. Amen. Look at you and say, I'm going with that guy. I'm going with Jesus all the way. We are literally waiting for the coming of the Lord. He will split the eastern sky. He will come in clouds of glory. He will catch away his bride. He will catch away his own. And then the critics come along and say, yeah, but you've been talking about that for a long, long time. And to that I say this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering toward you and I, not willing that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And one day is as a... And a thousand years as one day. So even though you may think that God's promises are delayed or His promises are not being fulfilled in your life, just look at those Old Testament prophecies. Just look at all the prophecies that have come to pass. Just look into the Word of God day and night. And by the way, just look back and see what the Lord has already done. I said, look back and see what the Lord has already done, and then sing boldly. He will do it again. Oh yeah, I've seen him. I've seen them move. I've seen him move the mountains. And I know that he will do it again. Somebody said he's going to do it again. Woo, hallelujah. Maybe you are here today and you thought things have changed by now, but you just hold fast and hold tight because we serve a Savior who said I will do it again. Amen? So what can we learn from Simeon? What can we learn? And these these are your, your take-home points. These are extremely important. See, many of you here this morning are waiting for God to show up in your life. You may be waiting for your kids to be saved or for them to come back to Christ or to rescue your spouse from alcoholism or drug addiction. Or perhaps to show up in your finances. Or maybe you've had a word from the Lord hidden in your heart for years A prophecy, an utterance that came from the Spirit of God, and you're just waiting for it to happen. Number one, I say to you, trust God's timing. Lean in and trust and rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. You see, the Bible says in Galatians, the fourth chapter, and in the fourth verse, it says, But when the fullness of time or the right time had come. God sent forth his son. Born of a woman. And I want you to know this today. That God is never late. I said God is never late. Woo, hallelujah. We could sing song this morning. If I had an organ here and I could sing a little bit better. I might just make up a song called. He's an on time God. Yeah. <laughs> hallelujah. He's never late. Now no one come to the piano. It's all good. The promises that you carry are sure. So throw your watch away. Throw your watch away. The devil will always try to get you to look at the clock. Tick, tock, tick, tock. Tick-tock. It's getting late. It hasn't happened yet. Tick-tock. We need to reverse the tables and give him a tick-tock. Don't you know, Mr. Devil, the clock is ticking and it is talking. And very soon, you're going to head for the bottomless pit. So so don't allow yourself to get panicked or worried or stressed out just because something hasn't happened yet. It's already happened. It's already years in the spirit. It's just a matter of time before it shows up in the natural. Everyone say, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And I'm trusting God's timing. God's timing. Number two. Wait on the one who always keeps his word. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Hebrews the 10th chapter and the 23rd verse. It says, let us hold tightly. Tightly is the opposite of loosely. Okay? We don't want to be loose where the word of God is concerned. We don't want to be loose where our relationship with God is concerned. Amen? No. Let us hold tightly. Holding tightly means to hold fast. And holding tightly and holding fast then means some effort on our part. Amen? Now, understand this. It's not the effort of the flesh... It's not diligence from what you can do in your own strength. But it's a reliance in trusting in Him. That He not only are you holding, but He's holding the ropes with you. Yes. Amen? Let us hold tightly without wavering. Without wavering. Now, wavering simply means that one day... Yeah, I believe God. Yes, yes, Amen. The next day, I'm not so sure. It's like a wave of the sea. Up and down. I did a message years ago that God does not want us to be yo-yo Christians. One day up and one way down. The Bible tells us that when you waver, don't let any man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. For he's like a double-minded man that is unstable in all of his ways. So, I believe this, that when you are anchored in him, and when your life is on the rock, even though the storms may come and the winds may blow, if you'll just hold on to the things you know and hold on to the word of the lord you will not be a man or a woman that wavers and wonders but you'll be a man or woman hallelujah that receives the promises of god hallelujah do you receive that today so now notice this first let us hold tightly without wavering no wavering one wavering is wondering Brother Copeland said to me many, many years ago when we were in the midst of this building project and when we were kind of right in the heart of it and in the center of it, I told him about what was happening, what we were going through. He looked at me with those piercing blue eyes and he said, Don't ever change. Which is tantamount to saying, Don't ever waver, Mark. Keep holding fast, keep holding tight. And you know what? I did, but not only I did, but you did. Amen. And we did. And now we sit, hallelujah, in a miracle. Yes. Yes. So let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. That's good. Amen. Now hope is a confident and it is a favorable expectation. Amen? Amen. Just like they were, Simeon was expecting to Jesus to show up. We're expecting Him to show up and to show out. It's our confidence based on an expectation which springs forth from what He said. Hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. And oh man, this will preach right here. Say it with me about three times. For God can be trusted. Say it with a little bit more vim. For God can be Uno mas. For God can be trusted. Yes, he can. Be Woo, hallelujah. Amen. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Will he not suffer you? To be tempted above your ability, but will also with this temptation provide a way out, a way of escape for you. So let's read this verse together. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted. Amen. Amen. So wait, number two, on the one who always keeps his word. His word cannot be broken. He said, my covenant I will not break. Nor will I ever alter <clears throat> the things that have gone out of my lips. Number three, wait in hope. Wait in hope. Hope is not based in fantasy maybe you've seen some of these tryouts for some of these song shows on television and and somebody thinks they really can sing and they they can't carry a song in a bucket and and it's like you know everyone around them say oh yeah you're awesome you're you're something else what planet do they live on it's fantasy Hope isn't based on fantasy. No, to the Warriors game on Friday night, they beat the Lakers. Yeah. I haven't forgiven the Lakers since they met, left Minneapolis in 1958. They won. They beat them. They were riding high in April, but last night they got whooped by Denver. But tomorrow... Tomorrow, it's fake news. They say the king is coming. That's what they call LeBron, right? Now, the king has already come. The fake king is coming. But I can fantasize all I want about receiving a phone call from the front office. Yeah, is this Mark? Yeah, 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 yeah. How are you doing? Everything I ate. Yeah, I ate. Well, Mr. Thomas, Steph Curry is hurt, as you know. And we need you to be the point guard <laughs> in, 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 in tomorrow's game against the fake king. I mean, I can put my Warriors gear on. I can go get me some yellow tennis shoes. Brenda can be going, hey, with a little cheerleading. Now that's a fantasy right there. (laughs) But you know what? It'll never happen. I'm not getting the call to suit up. Hope isn't based on fantasy. Hope is based on reality. Hope is a strong and confident expectation based in reality. When you hope in God and your hope is based on the reality of what he said, it'll come to pass. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Hebrews the 11th chapter and the first verse. This is what we learn from Simeon. Hebrews eleven one, a great verse of Scripture. Let's read it together, and then we'll break it down here for just a moment or two. Ready, read. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We could read it this way. Now God's Word. It is the substance, or it is the very foundation of, That our faith stands on. It is the very foundation that our hope stands on. Because we have a word, it brings substance into those things that we confidently expect in our lives. We could never expect to be healed if God didn't say we were. We could never expect to be joyful if God never said, The joy of the Lord is your strength. We could never expect to do anything if God never said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. So because we have this upfront word, this faith word, it brings substance to what we hope for. Oh, hallelujah. It is the substance of those things that you're hoping for. And it is the evidence, it is the title deed, it is your possession of those things which you've not yet seen come to pass. So dear brothers and sisters, we learn from Simeon that when we are waiting, we should wait in hope. In Psalms 25 verse 3 in the Amplified Version, it says this, It says, no one who hopes in you, waits patiently for you, and looks to you, will ever be put to shame or disappointed. Somebody says, yeah, right, I've been disappointed, but the key is, all of us face tests, all of us face trials, all of us face temporary disappointments. What will you do beyond the disappointment? Will you stay in the land of disappointment? Or will you allow God to reappoint you? Come on, somebody. There's some days where we're all going to be temporarily disappointed. But I have in my spirit to say this to you. Keep moving. Keep holding fast. Keep praising. Your hope's going to be tested. But here's the question. At those times... Will you continue to walk with God? Will you continue to serve God? Will you continue to let go? My hope for you this Christmas Eve morning is that you do not let a temporary disappointment sideline you and that you will continue to walk with God. As I look back after... 40 years of ministry, 40 years of marriage. Yeah, we've had some tests. Yeah, we've had some trials. But you know what? As I look back over the long haul, as I continue to wait on God and to serve God and to walk with Him, I can say to you today that I am disappointment free. And that I am shame free. And that is the will of God. For everybody in this auditorium today, say it with me because my, my God is faithful. So there are, no there are no regrets and no shame. And last but not least, number four, we learn from Simeon this truth: that we can receive His strength while we wait. Say that with me, I can receive, I can receive your, strength your strength while I wait. Look at Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. Isaiah the 40th chapter in the 31st verse. Says this, but those who wait for the Lord. Those who expect and look for and hope in him. What will happen? Shall change and renew their strength and power. And they shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Woo, they shall walk and not faint. Now, I can't pronounce the Hebrew word because I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I don't know that much about Hebrew or homebrew or any other kind of brew. But in Hebrew, this word wait is not a passive word. In Hebrew, this word wait is an active word. It literally means this. It means to be bound together with the object that you are waiting on. To be bound together with the object that you are waiting on. Here's the word picture. The visual is that of a rope with several strands you're the one strand and the power of the Holy Spirit is another strand and the word of God is another strand and as you wait you are being bound together with the object of your waiting what does that mean? That means as you wait, you don't get weaker, you get stronger. The closer the fulfillment gets, the strength increases. The hope intensifies. The promise becomes clearer and clearer. They that wait upon the Lord, why don't you just get bound up with him? Tied up, tangled up with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Draw nigh to him and he will draw nigh to you. Wrap yourself in the promises of God. Let the Holy Spirit wrap his arms around you. And let your hope intensify as the fulfillment of the promises of God come closer and closer. Wherever hope grows, miracles blossom. So, wait in faith, whatever season you are in. Push back this holiday season. Push back this Christmas season. And take some time to say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Take some time to read Luke chapter 2. Yes, 52 verses. (laughs) Here's my prayer for you and me today as we close in Micah chapter 7 and verse 7. Micah, the 7th chapter and the 7th verse. It says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord, and I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. One translation says, and I want you to repeat it for me with one hand raised toward heaven. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior, and my God has heard me, is here in me, and he will bring to pass the promises of God. In my life, life. put your hand over your heart and let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this time that we've had together, this wonderful, glorious morning. Lord, we thank you that Jesus came into this life to give us life. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life as a ransom for all, that you paid the price for us, born of a virgin. You lived a sinless life. And at the right time, you gave your life on Calvary's cross. You took all torment that we might have peace. You took our sin that we might have righteousness. And Lord God, we just thank you for it today. And I pray for my, this family of faith today, Lord God, that you would enrich them today and tonight and all week long. Enrich them in their spirits in their souls and in their bodies. Give them a rich time of fellowship with family and friends, Lord God. We choose to look away from all distractions unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith.